0: Welcome to the Leverage Your Potential podcast. This podcast is hosted by the director and assistant director of Menlo College's Office of Internships, Career Services, and Study Abroad, Dylan Wool and Kelly Davis, in partnership with Menlo's Content Creation Club.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Your Potential. I'm your host, Dylan Hoole, Director of Internships, Career Services, and Study Abroad. And our guest today is Sam McLeod. How are you, Sam?
0: I'm doing well, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for uh, agreeing to join the pod, uh, especially here so close to the holiday break. It's uh, great to chat with you and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think your role as a recruiter, uh, really gives you a front row seat to uh, some of the challenges we have faced over 2020 and some of the opportunities and challenges that we'll be facing in 2021. So I'm really eager to, to get your insight and hear your story. But before we dive in, I just want to share with our audience a little bit about you. You graduated from Menlo College in 2016 with a marketing degree. And uh, my understanding is that you're part of a legacy family here. You're a third generation uh, Oak. Tell us a little bit about who was the first McLeod to attend Menlo College and is anyone coming up after you?
0: That's my mom's favorite thing to say. We're at Menlo Legacy, I swear. (laughs) Um, So it was actually my grandpa. He is a Silverstein, so he's actually not a McLeod. But he, I don't even know what year he graduated. I should probably have those stats. But he was actually at Menlo when it was all boys which is funny Wow. Um, mm -hmm. and he played basketball at menlo which was great um and then my mom and my dad met at menlo they have a cute little love story i think she kind of stalked him a little bit and that's how they got together um she thought he was cute She, she saw him in the back of the room one day she like sneezed and he was there and it was cute um so that's how they met and you know we're here now so i started um at menlo I actually did uh, one year at San Jose State and ended up transferring to Menlo. My parents were so obsessed with Menlo. They loved it, had the best experience. So when I was thinking about transferring, they were like, are you kidding me? You have to go to Menlo. And that's when they were starting a cheer team. So um, I was actually able to kind of talk to the cheer coach at the time and and kind of leverage that. So that was really cool. Um, And then when I was at Menlo, they asked me to start a dance team. Uh, They knew I had dance experience and all of that. So I was able to actually take a break from the cheer team and start this dance team, uh, which was really cool. And then the first year we were able to recruit people, Michaela actually decided to come to Menlo. And I was like, okay, well, if you want, I can recruit you for the dance team. She was like, obviously, that would be great. So now she's the recruit from, she was our first recruit on the dance team. Um, We have another brother. I don't think he's going to go to Menlo, but you never know. Um, He does film and TV and all that cool stuff. He does like music production. Um, So if Menlo decides to have like a music component, maybe he'll jump in. But you never know. I think a business degree gets you a long way. So no matter what, I think he could benefit from it, but as of now we're the last ones but you never know.
1: Excellent and your brother is uh, in high school currently?
0: No he is he's 21 so he actually didn't go to school. Um, he did a little bit of took a couple classes where he was doing kind of film production music production all of that um, and then kind of started his career so you never know he might come back.
1: Excellent well I think it's uh, I think it's so cool that you have these multiple generations that have attended Menlo College and have been part of the history of of the school. I think it's uh, a unique insight um, that you have uh, and hopefully that that, uh, will continue. But let's talk a little bit about present day and your current role. So you're a technical recruiter at LinkedIn and you know LinkedIn is is one of the big Silicon Valley companies that a lot of our students obviously would like to work at and obviously use for their job search and, and networking. Tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day look like uh, when, when uh, you hear the job title technical recruiter, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so that's a, it's a lot in itself. So bear with me as we kind of walk through it. Um, So I started as a recruiting associate. So that was kind of in like, kind of like an internship program like that you guys look for, but it was a paid internship program and it's technically like a real job, but it's like a cohort. So I jumped in as kind of in a recruiting cohort. You can hear my dogs in the background. Um, and it's pretty intense. I mean, they call it kind of like the hunger games. It's a, it's a numbers game. You want to be really strong, uh, coming out of the gate. Um, obviously you're working for the, one of the top companies, which was LinkedIn. So you didn't want to Let anybody down you wanted to come in really strong Um, and they teach you from beginning to end how to recruit and how to be kind of one of the best recruiters in the valley. That's the the ultimate goal. Um, If one, one day I decide to leave LinkedIn, I will have the skills to be a successful recruiter wherever. So that's the goal of that program. Um, It's about an eight month program and then if you do well, they can convert you to full time. If not, then at that point, you kind of walk away and decide maybe recruiting isn't for you, or maybe this kind of high paced, um, you know, important, my goodness, my dogs, I'm sorry. Uh, It's kind of like a, you know, they, if it's, if it's not for you, that's totally okay. But I was fortunate enough to have done well, um, and was able to kind of succeed and go from there was offered a full time role and I've been there ever since. Um, The technical component is working with engineers. So I recruit the engineers who are building our sites, if that makes sense. So the people who are building the LinkedIn platform, um, whether it's their application developers, whether they're creating the UI, so all the little buttons that you touch, um, the mobile app sometimes, um, also kind of the storage. So think about all the data that you put into LinkedIn, like linkedin.com, you put all of your of contact information all your work history all of that that's considered our storage so i recruit those engineers who are building the databases all that kind of stuff so that's where the technical component is again kind of the good thing is that i know the entire stack so i can talk to you about everything from the little buttons that you're pressing to the storage. So again, I've recruited these engineers. So one day when I decide to go somewhere else, I can recruit those engineers for that company. Um, and the cool thing is that a lot of Silicon Valley companies are recruiting um, and are, are needing those types of engineers. So they're in high demand. And I feel like that was a good opportunity for me to kind of jump into, you know, this kind of work environment because I'll, I'll have a job for a while if I'm recruiting these types of engineers.
1: yeah Yeah, definitely some job security if if, uh, you're working with engineers that's that's the one of the top positions and and job titles of the future yeah Now, i think what's interesting and, and for our students who are who are deciding on a major you chose marketing but i think a lot of students might think of recruiting as an hr function or housed within hr tell us a little bit about you know why you chose marketing what was your initial motivation and how those marketing skills actually play a role in what you do today.
0: So when I decided to do marketing, when that was my major, I was actually thinking that I was gonna jump into kind of the advertising space. That was going to be my goal. It's to kind of market myself to companies and kind of start advertising. Um, I, I wasn't really sure where that was gonna take me. Um, and then a friend of mine who worked at LinkedIn actually referred me to this role and I was like, well, no matter what, if I get this opportunity, it's gonna be a huge, you know, growth step. So advertising could potentially take a little bit of a backseat while I grow this career. Um, But I mean, as far as the common skills that you need that you get in a marketing degree or a business degree, they're all there. You need those every day in recruiting. Um, I would say the HR stuff does come into play. But when I think of HR, I think of kind of the compensation team. I think of um, our business partners. I think of, um, I'm trying to think, they're a little bit more diligent. I feel like we're, We are going through kind of the interview process and we're recruiting people, but I wouldn't say it's kind of the nitty gritty, which I feel like when people think of HR. That's more like the rules and those kind of things that you go through, like if there's a violation or whatnot, you would go to HR Um, and I think technically we're under the HR umbrella, but we're really more talent instead of just HR.
1: And, you know, speaking directly to students that may be listening that are studying marketing right now. What advice would you give them, or is there anything you wish you would have known about, uh, you know, the marketing degree or the or the degree you chose? Now that you're in the career, in terms of uh, what might provide the most value, or what you, or what students can do while they're in college that can best prepare them uh, for a career later?
0: Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily say about the degree. I feel like the business degree, the marketing degree was was huge. I feel like I learned a lot about the market and everything that that comes to it, but. It's group projects that are super important because in the real world, all you're doing is real life group projects with people you're coming up with PowerPoints. I mean, those are huge. If I had known, I would have probably spent more time investigating and dissecting PowerPoint because they're so important now. And now I'm presenting to hundreds of people instead of just, you know, my 30 classmates. So um, that's really huge. I feel like those relationships are really important. Um, They don't tell you that the relationships at Menlo will last you forever. Um, The reason I'm at LinkedIn is because a friend of mine referred me and that's how it worked out. It's the network that's super important. Um, My best friend Savannah works at LinkedIn because I hired her there. So I feel like I wish people know, I, I want them to know that the that the relationships are really important and so menlo so small and I feel like it's a really good opportunity to create that network so utilize it because it'll come into play um and you never know I mean I feel like again like I mentioned when it's time for me to go to another company I'm not just going to apply randomly I'm going to reach out to my network and I'm going to say you know who are these people that I respect did they come from menlo do they have you know did they come from this company or whatnot and and then reach out to them to get my next opportunity it's not just going to be kind of a cold call situation so um, utilize your network, make friends. That's what I would say.
1: I think that's I think that's great advice. And you know, one of the thing, one of the tools that we tell our students to use uh, on LinkedIn specifically is when you go to the Menlo College school page or any school page, they have an alumni section. You can oh, see yeah. where where all of the graduates of a certain school have gone on to work and where they live, and uh, I encourage students to use this. Every time you apply for a job, I say, immediately your next step should be, find out if there's any Menlo College alumni who work there that you might be able to introduce yourself to, uh, because you never know how they might be able to help uh, accelerate your application.
0: I mean, when we were hiring, so that cohort I was telling you about earlier, uh, the recruiting associate cohort, um, when we're hiring for those for those people who have no experience, basically new grads, the the lady in charge she sends us an email and says, "Hey guys, you know, send me your your referrals and we'll kind of go from there." They don't even really post it externally sometimes, so it's so great to know that. You know that that that's really how it goes and it's so funny to be on the other side of it, and when you see you know friends come through and you know alumni and all that stuff it's just great to see kind of that connection because you know. Especially if you're doing great you know we'll say my friend Calvin or whatever he does such great work at linkedin so his referral must be great so it kind of is a true testament to the kinds of people that are coming through the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the hidden job market in a way, right. You know, those jobs that don't get posted, but just, you know, a friend of a friend, uh, about that. yeah, yeah. yeah no,
0: it was actually really cool. I, um, with Savannah, at least she went to Menlo as well. I don't know if you know her, uh, Savannah Dunaway, she's great, but, um, they were hiring. So I was hiring admins for the engineering leaders. So it was like a side project. They were like, we need to hire a couple admins to support these to support these engineering leaders. And I was like, Well, this'll give me face to face time with these engine leaders. I'm excited about it. So, you know, they're so high in high demand, they're really hard to get a hold of. So if they need an admin, hey why not just get in this process? So I went in there and um, my friend Savannah was working at another company as an admin for engineers. And we were chatting about it and she was like, you know, I think I could do a move. And so I put her through our interview process. It just happened to be good timing. They absolutely loved her. And now the Menlo family has moved to LinkedIn (laughs) and she's obsessed with it. Um, But it's just given them, given her really good opportunities. I feel like whether she wants to be in the admin space or not, she's, in a really great company that's giving her opportunities to grow, whether she wants to move to program management or maybe she wants to be in marketing or advertising or she can even move to legal. It doesn't even matter. Once you're in the company, you can kind of move around, which is cool. Um, and that's kind of what she's working on. So it's pretty exciting.
1: That's excellent that you're uh, you're helping bring in more Oaks to, to LinkedIn and hopefully that will uh... Hopefully there'll be more stories like that to share in the future. I I just
0: opened the door. She did the interview and she was great, but it was just a cool opportunity. She was looking for a change and I knew that they would like her personality. You know, she's she's great, comes from a great education, obviously. Mm -hmm. So when it came to this opportunity, I figured, let's see what happens. And they loved her and it worked out great. And I think it was kind of cool to make sure that, you know, she was getting a great package and compensation, all that good stuff. So that was kind of fun to be on the other side, to make sure that she was taken care of because I feel like it's awesome to to make sure that your your people are taken care of, you know, when it comes to the work environment. So it was awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we tell our students is that they're likely to have many jobs throughout their career. Uh, you know, especially in, in this day and age, it's very rare that you would go to one company and stay there until you retire. But Great. you know, looking at your own career journey so far you know, one thing I noticed is that essentially you have been with LinkedIn for most of your post Menlo college career, which has been about four, four years or so. Yeah. So what's your own opinion on job hopping, both for you personally, why have you decided to stay at one company? Why is that fulfilling to you? And then also when you're looking at applicants, do you see any pros or cons to people that have spent one or two years at, at different companies and moved around quite a bit. What's your general take on that?
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I've been at LinkedIn because they're still investing in me. I feel like if they are, as soon as it turns into a situation where I'm no longer learning or I feel like I've kind of maxed out, then at that point I'll explore new opportunities. But right now I feel like I'm still contributing. Um, I have leadership who's still investing in me and they're still wanting to see you know my career growth and all that. So that's why I'm still there. Um, and I feel like there is a little bit of loyalty, I feel like they did invest in me early on. So I do want to make sure I kind of see that through. And again, when I feel like it's a good fit, I'll start exploring. Um, when it comes to applicants and looking at profiles, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Anything under a year is a red flag. So if they move a company in six months, eight months, nine months, we look at that. Um, if they're continuously changing jobs every year, that's a red flag as well. We want to see at least about a year and a half in every company, maybe a little bit more. Um, if they have less than a year in every company and they're clearly job hopping, we will will ask them, like, what's going on here? Was there an issue? Was it your fault? Some people come, they do that to kind of attract the money. They feel like maybe they'll make more money if they go somewhere else, um, or more equity if they're trying to find um you know kind of their new stock or whatnot sometimes that happens because um a lot of companies after the first year you got you kind of get a sign-on bonus when you sign on to a new company and it's usually have a one-year cliff so it's funny to see people go after every year um if they keep moving then we kind of anticipate that they're chasing the the money but um or something went wrong maybe they didn't have a good um relationship with their manager or or the company or whatnot. Um, But if it's just a one-time thing, we totally get it. I've had friends who've been at LinkedIn or been at other companies for a year and they, it's just not for them. They don't want to continue there and that's totally okay. Um, But if it's less than a year, then, then we usually ask questions.
1: Let me uh, just do a a term clarification for our students here. When you mentioned you get a sign-on bonus and a one-year cliff, can you describe exactly what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, so if you leave the company before the one year, um, they are supposed to give it back. I don't think people will actually give it back, but it's with the understanding that you stayed with the company for at least a year. That's the, the thing. And then it comes when it comes to equity, the cliff also means um, sometimes there's a one-year cliff with a part of the equity. So maybe you're getting 25% of your equity um, and then it vests over four years, the remainder of it. So it kind of just depends. Say you're getting... Hundred thousand dollars in equity. The first twenty five percent, you'd get the twenty five thousand that first year, and then everything else would vest over the next four years.
1: Right.
0: So it's a one year cliff. Like you have to stay with us for that one year before you get the rest. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: well, it's very it's very similar uh, to uh, the system here in higher education, where yeah the 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 institution might be putting some money into your retirement. Exactly. Each month. But you don't actually get to keep that money unless you stay with the institution for a year or two years or whatever the vesting period is.
0: Right, and every company has something different. Um, I believe I've worked with other companies, and like I think Amazon's a little bit different. Their vesting period, I believe, you get more within that first year. So that way, it's heavier in the first year, and then the second year, it's a little bit less. And then as the years progress, there's potentially more uh, opportunity for refreshers or whatnot. But that first year, you get a lot of your money. The second year, you know, it kind of it's just an incentive to. Stay at a company basically sure. for a little bit longer um they don't want you to leave after that first year especially if they're giving you a sign on bonus and all this money and equity they don't want you to leave right away they prefer that you stay over four years or a little bit less so there, that's definitely an opportunity for me to kind of chat a little bit about why i'm there too i am investing equity so that's great so the more i stay at linkedin the more equity i get within the microsoft equity so definitely a reason to stay as well
1: I, and i think that's such an important um, element of thinking about your salary, right? When yeah. when students uh, are negotiating their first uh, uh, job opportunity after college, you know, one of the one of the most obvious things to focus on is what's my annual salary. Right. But then some of you have to really kind of com- consider it as a package. You used that term earlier. You know, what is your retirement contributions, your equity, uh, health health insurance, all of that goes into your total compensation package and it's important to, to consider.
0: Totally, and I feel like it's kind of this like taboo thing to talk about and it's not. I feel like compensation is real. Everybody is out there. And if you're in the Silicon Valley, your compensation structure is probably very similar. You're getting some sort of a base and equity as well. And sometimes there's a bonus or whatever if you're doing well. So it's not, you know, I feel like when you're younger or you're in college, it's kind of weird to talk about salary and compensation and all of that. And in our world, it's it's normal. Everybody's doing kind of the same thing and they're after very similar things. Uh, to some people, base is more important. To some people, equity is. It just depends on your saving or <laughs> all of that. But um, LinkedIn was acquired by Microsoft when I first started. So my offer is actually, my equity is, is Microsoft equity, uh, I which it. is cool. And it's pretty stable. So that helps. Um, at least, especially during this craziness, it's nice to have kind of a stable equity situation. Um, The base component gets you from point A to point B. I feel like that's your day-to-day money. That's what gets you from paycheck to paycheck. But the equity is kind of that savings that you didn't think about. Yeah. Um, You know, one day, maybe I wanna buy a house or whatever, that would be the money to use. And so it's nice to have that and you don't really see it. So it's kind of nice to have that when you're like, oh wait, there's that money.
1: Yeah, Um, put it away
0: put it away but they they offer it to you most people will offer you kind of a a standard number Um, and there's opportunity usually to kind of negotiate if you want maybe a little bit more equity or less space or kind of it depends on how you want that to work but most people know that that that's usually what's coming
1: got it so let's dive in a little bit to some of the entry-level pathways into linkedin so i'm sure a lot of the students at this point of the conversation is saying, I want some of that equity, you know, I would love to work at LinkedIn and, and, and be part of that, that ecosystem. And we've had several students, uh, you know, yourself, Savannah, or, or I should say alumni, uh, launch their careers at LinkedIn and, and, and work there to this day. Can you tell us a little bit about the typical entry level pathways for business students? You mentioned the recruiting yeah. associate, hunger games. Uh, what other ways do people typically get into LinkedIn?
0: There's um, a couple there's, we have a business leadership program, which is really cool. It's definitely, again, kind of, it's really cutthroat, but in a great way. I mean, they want you to be successful. So it's like a rotation situation where you, um, I don't know a whole lot about it because I didn't go through it, but I know that you do a, a few months in every area. So like maybe three months in sales, three months in recruiting, three months in finance so that way you really get kind of the whole package when it comes to being um, in business but i know the cohort is tough because they take uh, master students and undergrad so it's kind of the best of of both worlds um and it kind of just depends so i know that interview process is different but that is straight from undergrad or from a master's degree you don't need any work experience for that Uh, which is cool Um, i believe at linkedin it's called the blp which is the business leadership program uh, which is really cool again tough to get into but it's worth it Um, i didn't realize this and i'm sure because you're involved with the internships you would know this um, that they hire so early on i feel like when i was a senior or a junior i was like looking at internships these people are interested right away i mean they're looking sophomore year to apply for junior year i didn't realize you have to apply nine months earlier that's something that i didn't realize so now that i'm here i know also with internships and all of that at linkedin they have hr internships um but they just hire so few of them i mean i feel like there's like four or five in the entire company um so it just depends and again knowing somebody's always super helpful um putting the more information that you can on your resume the better because they're looking for specific things so that's super helpful again they do entry-level kind of recruiting like that's how i got into it the program um they have recruiting coordinators which i feel like a lot of people get into um early on which is cool that's a cool way to get into the company but it is a different type of role um you are coordinating the interviews for uh engineers or um or maybe you're coordinating for other business areas. But in my case, it'd be for engineers um, to do their interviews. But if you're not into scheduling, that's probably not for you. So it kind of has to be something you're into. But a lot of people start in the recruiting coordinator role because it's an end of the company. Yeah, Kind of just depends on what you're into. Um, Sometimes just getting experience somewhere else and moving over is positive. Um, A lot of the time I'm looking at resumes and they have to have one year of experience before I can even with them through the process, so just getting experience anywhere is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think you know going back to something that you said earlier, uh, once you get into the company, then you can really move around and kind yeah. of grow and align things better with your perhaps your interests or your capabilities. Right.
0: And I can't speak to every company, but I know that LinkedIn really does promote internal mobility and kind of transforming your career so if that's something you're into i mean that's something that they really support and you just have to be really transparent with your manager and say i'm really grateful for the opportunity here in my recruiting role but i do want to be in marketing so if you see anything coming up or i really want to be in sales whatever and these managers are they're bred to support you so that's how the culture is at linkedin um And so if you're having a manager who's not supportive, then that's kind of a weird thing, you know, you don't want to be in a company where they're not supportive of your career goals. Um, At that point, it becomes, it becomes a job versus a community of people supporting you. So I feel like, you know, you're open with your manager, probably not within the first year, but after that you say, I'm really enjoying my career, but I think that I'd like to transition into sales at some point, Um, if you you know, and you have that conversation and you make gold and you, all of that good stuff. And you talk to those managers to make it happen. It's not an overnight thing. You can't just say, I want to be in sales and boom, it happens. You have to have those conversations. When we were in person, it was nice because you could have coffee and maybe have lunch with somebody kind of pick their brain, but now it's a little bit harder. You have to kind of do your due diligence and make those connections, but definitely still possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the with the current situation, you just have to be more intentional about it, right? Like totally. Looking out and inviting someone rather than you know walking by their desk or meeting each other in the elevator as you're both on your way to lunch or something along those lines. Yeah.
0: And it's a little bit sometimes it's uncomfortable, but if you definitely have to say you know I'm looking for a change. And it's funny because you have to write it down now. I'm looking for a change. Yeah. Um, w- what do you know? Are there any opportunities within your org? All that kind of stuff and. You know, it's once you write it down or it's in a message, it becomes a little bit more real. But I think that it's, you know, it's definitely don't waste the opportunity because you're only at a, a company like this for so long. Um, and you know, you know, like I just feel like I count my blessings every day when I'm here at LinkedIn and I'm having these, you know, amazing conversations with engineers and leaders and all of that. To me, when I think about going somewhere else, it has to be for the right reasons. Or moving to a different career it has to be for you know the right reasons and making sure I'm serious about it.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you a question, just kind of piggybacking a little bit on us bringing up, you know, kind of the, the challenges that we're all facing with coronavirus, you know, this kind of inter intercompany networking and obviously networking in general has, has taken a, a turn. From your vantage point in recruiting, what do you see as some of the challenges that job seekers are going to face in this coming year? and kind of what general advice not just for students but just job seekers in general how can they how can they really succeed in this period of of uncertainty and uh, inability to actually you know shake someone's hand and and attend a career fair or attend a networking event what do you what do you see the most successful job seekers doing in order to succeed
0: I feel like I get a hundred messages a day on LinkedIn reaching out to me and I totally appreciate it. It's wonderful, but sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming. So to see, to have somebody suggest a time and say, Hey, would you speak at this time? Um, I'd love to have lunch with you or whatnot. That is, you know, over the, over zoom or whatnot. That's a little bit easier for me when someone says, Hey, I'm looking for career opportunities. Here's my resume. That's a little bit frustrating. I'm like, I get a hundred of these a day. Like, is there anything else we could do? Do you wanna chat? If there's a call to action, that's a little bit better. Um, I definitely appreciate that. Um, Being yourself, I feel like over Zoom is great when you're talking about the coffee you're drinking or the things that are going on in your house. I mean, everyone else is going through it. So if you're trying to be perfect, it's a little bit tough because there's kids running around always over Zoom. There's dogs barking. The other day I was in Zoom and this dog was snoring. I mean, it wasn't my dog, but it was another dog in the, in, in the meeting. And it was just funny because we're all going through it. So it's it, don't try and hide it. And that makes you more approachable. I feel like if you're in an interview and you're talking to someone and you can clearly hear your dog snoring, point it out because it's funny. And at that point you become a real person and not just somebody over Zoom. And that just makes it a lot easier to connect because again, we're all doing this and we're trying to navigate through it, and it's funky. So just be yourself and be normal about it because it's not going away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love your I love your advice about the call to action, and uh, that's something I try to emphasize with students as well. Is like if you can make their job easier in in whatever way that is by, by suggesting a time or proactively telling them who you already know at the company or any of those things, all of all all can uh, accelerate. Your, your chance of getting a call back or a message back. So that's yeah. great advice, putting that call to action in there.
0: Totally, and I feel like I get a lot of resumes. Um, just, you know, I'm looking for opportunities. Those, those are the kind of words I see. Sometimes it's really great, I feel like, if I get an email that says, do you have any advice on my resume? Like, could this be any better? I feel like that's a lot easier um, and it's a little bit less aggressive. Sometimes when it's like, oh, I, you know, I want this job, can you refer me? I'm like, I've never met you. Like, how am I supposed to refer you to a role I don't even know if you're going to be successful. But if someone says, hey, you know, I'm looking for these opportunities, can you check out my resume and see what I can do? Do you have a time where we can discuss? You know, that stuff I feel like is a lot easier. But when they just kind of come out bluntly and are like, can you refer me? Can you put me in the direction of this uh, recruiter for this role? I'm like, whoa, let's just pump the brakes here. Can we have a conversation first? So I feel like. Easing into it is definitely the way that I would prefer. Um, when it comes out so strong and so aggressive, it's a little bit frustrating.
1: Let me ask. Let me ask you this question, um, because I think sometimes uh, students might be reluctant to reach out to a recruiter, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. They've never done it before. They don't exactly know what you're looking for. Give me this insight. Do you get all the applicants you need through? referrals and the application process? Or do people that reach out to you, are those people, have you had experience actually moving them through the process? And and just like that random cold call message on LinkedIn, turning into them getting an interview? Like, can students feel like, yeah, there might be a 10% chance if I send the right message to the right recruiter on LinkedIn, that actually might be just as good as applying online in terms of funneling me through what's what's like the percentages or what's your experience? on that? I would
0: do both. So I would submit an application and then I would reach out. I think on LinkedIn, it says at least when I when I check it, but I don't know if that's just because I have access. Um, it says who the recruiter is. So I would reach out directly to that recruiter. It says who posted the job or who the recruiter is who posted it reach out to them and say, I just applied to your role and be prepared and make sure your spelling is correct and all that stuff. I mean, don't, don't send like a, like an IM or like a quick message, have it actually professionally written and say, I just submitted this. I come from this school or I come from this company, whatever it is. And I would be a good fit X Y and Z. Here's my resume. It totally helps. And especially when I'm trying to fill roles quickly, maybe I'm not getting a whole lot of applicants. That's great. Um, it just kind of depends on the volume. Sometimes if there's You know a really great role and there's hundreds of people wanting it it's a little bit more difficult to go through all those direct messages but if it's a lighter role and you know it's niche and it's hard for me to fill but i have this great candidate who just sent me a message that's awesome that helps my search for sure sometimes i'll post on linkedin if there's a role that's not getting a lot of traction and i need it um and i'll post i will be like hard to fill role would love some applicants if you please reach out if you think you'd be a good fit for this role yeah Uh, i do get a little bit so that helps
1: Excellent, excellent. They
0: definitely, re- I mean, it's not gonna hurt. It's still gonna be in their inbox. They might not message you right away, but it's still there,
1: which is great. Yeah, you know, I, I always tell students, you never really know who your competition is. Yeah. So you never know when you, when you apply for that job, you might be one of five people that apply, you might be one of 5,000 people that apply. Uh, and so, I think operating as if you don't have a lot of a competition, um, totally. and and sending out that message and saying I'm the I'm the right fit for the job, and kind of feeling right. at least putting yourself in that mindset that your message will get read and that there's a there is a chance that the, that that recruiter will message you back. I think can be can be a helpful well, mindset. especially
0: if there's a common connection, especially if they're from Menlo and they're reaching out to me. I mean, that's so much easier um also the time that you apply is really important so if a role is posted within the first few days apply like don't wait send your resume because sometimes we close roles within 48 hours and then the windows close so don't look at it think about it process edit your resume well like be prepared have that ready you know have your standard resume ready and submit it um because that they go by quick
1: yeah well, let's transition a little bit out of the uh, recruiting space and maybe in a, in a different type of recruiting. So a fun fact about you, you mentioned this at the top of the show, is that you founded the Menlo College dance team and uh, you have been uh, coaching the team. And I know you, you also coach dance, I think, on the side, just in general. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your passion for dance and how the Menlo College dance team came about and what the, what the status of it is right now?
0: yeah so when I was on the cheer team I think they were just looking for more school spirit um this was a new opportunity they had um kind of initiated a few different club sports at the time I believe there was rugby was starting and they were just trying to kind of start a few different clubs so it was cool uh to kind of jump into this um and we started kind of just a program from scratch and which was insane to start a program from scratch because it's this never happens. schools always have established dance teams or cheer teams or whatnot. So this was pretty cool. Um, and we started, and we were students. I was a senior, Savannah was a senior, and we started it together. And we, we just kind of held auditions for anybody who wanted to jump in. People had no experience, so we kind of worked with what we had. Okay. Uh, and it was great. You know, We tried to use formations and different things to kind of make everybody look good and, and all that. So it was a really cool experience. I feel like we learned so much. Um, the next year we had graduated, it was a little funky. The school didn't really know what to do. They didn't know if they wanted to keep it going with the students in play. I don't think they realized how involved we were, Savannah and I were in the process. So as soon as we started having conversations with John and Keith, they were like, oh, you guys are actually like running the program. And so it was really exciting for them to see that. Um, So then they asked us to kind of stay back on, which was cool. I think they thought it was like a club sport that kind of ran itself, which was awesome. And then they realized that there was like leadership involved. And so that was kind of a cool conversation. Um, And then at that point we kind of were brought on more, um, more officially, I guess you could say for the program. Um, And then Savannah actually is now coaching pro teams. So teams that are professional in the process. So that's kind of what she's pursuing. Um, So she kind of stepped away from the program and the last two years just been kind of running it on my own, um, which has been great, and I feel like Michaela's been there. She's my sister, and she grew up dancing, so it's always I always have kind of a little bit of backup um, to help. But uh, we are recruiting dancers, which is really exciting to finally be at a place where we can recruit talented dancers, people who have experience, which mm-hmm. is really cool. I feel like at the beginning we would never thought that was coming so that's pretty cool um we have official uniforms all of that i know those are little things that people take for granted but those are huge accomplishments for a team that started from scratch with a club sport budget which was like $200 so if yeah. you think about a uniform a dance uniform i mean they're about $200 each so to come from an entire program that had $200 to now We can have a little bit of a budget. People are invested. They're excited about it. They're coming to practice. We have a dance room. I mean, it's huge. So John has been huge and so supportive and all of that. So I'm really grateful for his support. Um, And you know, the late night messages of us trying to make sure that everything works and the dance room is you know taken care of and built and all of that. I mean, it's just been it's been really cool. And I feel like even though Menlo, is a small school, I feel like it's exciting to have a smaller community within the school. So I feel like these girls have, you know, lifelong friends, people, they could, they can go to if they need anything during class or outside of anything. I know we're not really in person, but we still try and connect you know, frequently.
1: That's so so cool. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for, for kind (laughs) of realizing that that is no small feat to take a club sport, uh, and, and turn it into something really institutionalized and uh, supported with budget and my office actually looks out at the, at the portable where the the dance room Thank is you. so yeah sometimes I'll, I'll I'll hear the music going or, or I did uh, once right a time.
0: I, It was such a fun day when they built that. I remember Savannah and I went on campus and we took photos by the dance room door. I mean it was just so fun. we were so excited just that it had happened it was something we had talked about and because there wasn't a dance team our first three years, but we thought it would be so cool. And so when it actually happened, we we're like, wow. And then now to see where the program is compared to where it was, you know, our senior year, what are we, five years later? It's just so cool to see people coming to Menlo because they want to be on the dance team. Like if there wasn't a dance team, they wouldn't come to Menlo. So that's pretty cool to have that be their deciding factor now and, and have it be so important. But that does put a little bit of pressure. You know, we want to make sure that we're still building that community, especially in this weird time. Yeah. Um, we're trying to find creative ways to make sure that people are still dancing or they're still feeling a part of the, you know, that Menlo community, a part of the dance team, all of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. That And that's the challenge, I guess, we all, we all face. All right. Well, Sam, I want to close our conversation, which has been really illuminating and fun, um, with a question we ask all of our guests, uh, okay. which is, What are you reading, watching, or listening to right now that you would recommend to our audience?
0: I just watched The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't yet. So good. Has anybody else recommended it?
1: Not yet, not yet.
0: Oh man, it is so good. I was not ready for it. I swear, I started it, I I saw the trailer on Netflix and I was like, all right, let's see what happens. I thought it was a movie, didn't realize it was a series. Started it and was hooked. It's like a seven episode thing. And I couldn't put it down. I feel like over a weekend I watched the whole thing. It was amazing. Um, that's what I'm watching. As far as reading, I always read self-help books. I feel like those are fun to read and they're just easy. So all those fun ones, I feel like Rachel Hollis has some good ones that I like to read. She just came out with a new one. Um,
1: yeah. Very cool, very cool. I've heard it's so fun. much about the Queen's Gambit that I think I'm definitely going to take some time this holiday break yeah. to It's
0: not even that long, I swear, in like one, just one really good binge.
1: (laughs) Order some pizza. Exactly.
0: (laughs) You need a little bit of a break in between because after hour three, you need to like stand up and stretch and then you'll come back into it and then you'll be hooked. No chance you're going anywhere after that.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'll check it out. Sam, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been great.
0: It's been really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Your Potential podcast. This podcast can be found on anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Please give us a rating or a like and let us know what you think.